Did you know that BDSM and kink are healthy outlets for aggression, imagination, and attention? Hi, welcome to The Partition, home of kinky wellness. My name is Dana Shergel, and I am a sexual wellness instructor that dives deep into all things kinky. I'm here to show why kinky sexual wellness deserves a rightful spot within the wellness conversation. So let's talk about it. Hi, and welcome back to The Partition. Today we're going to be doing things a little bit differently, and I want to welcome Megan Millington with us today. Happy to be here. Yes, well, welcome. <laughs> no, um, Megan Millington is a holistic sex and pleasure orgasm coach, yes. and she's going to be speaking with us a little bit more on what she does and why she does it. So mm -hmm. yes, welcome to the show, Megan. Thank you. Thank you. So what got you into this, I guess, right at the beginning? Yes, um, it's such a, there's so many different tentacles that kind of like pop out as to why that is, but I think one way that I'd like to distill it is that um, being in a female body, I personally had struggled to uh, tap into my sensuality, my sexuality, uh, but I thought it was so fascinating because it seemed that the female body and sexuality was sold as something, like either in media or um, just that there was this sensuality, but that I couldn't embody it. Mm. Um, I noticed it show up in different par parts of my relationship um, that really kind of accentuated this block and barrier. Um, I later, just over some time, actually even just really didn't even know like how to operate in my body or to connect to my body. Uh, but I knew that there was something missing. I knew that there was something that I needed to connect to, that there was this innate erotic intelligence, but like had no idea even what that was. Mm -hmm. um, and later, uh, through different episodes of like feeling down, going through depression, having failed relationships, um, ended up finding myself in, uh, in places where I was using different plant medicines, where I was studying uh, the tantric arts, Taoism. Uh, as well as Ayurveda became a, an integral part of my healing process. And through these uh, mystical ancient traditions, if you will, um, I discovered some really interesting things about the body and then eventually that led me to studying further into Tantric and the Tantric arts and then got my certification at the um, Tantric Institute of Integrated Sexuality and then uh, started to really help people reclaim that. Which is great. So you yeah. do one-on-one -on -one coaching, and so when people reach out to you, what is the most common, or are there common things that people bring to your attention, or do you find that there's common problems that people are having? Yes. Um, so I find that there's a couple things that are, that are quite common. One of them is that uh, women don't know how to experience pleasure. They think that their pleasure is gone. Uh, they think that they're broken. Um, they're not relating to their partners. Uh, in, in, in most cases, it's with um, uh, heterosexual partnership, so uh, fe uh, female to male. And they want to have orgasms with penetrative sex. Um, and yeah, the, oh yeah, the other thing is that they want, they come to me to want to have more of their sexuality so that they're deemed as more normal. Mm. It's, it's not necessarily at the beginning stages when I have a my first conversation with them around that it is for them. 
And that's actually one of the key components to unlocking female sexuality is that is really helping them to understand that this is for you. And the reason why that there is this disconnection is because you're doing your the reason why you're wanting to uncover this and go on that road is so that you can feel more socially accepted as opposed to learning your body. Yeah, uh, like getting back in tune with it. Well, um, I was going to say something to your point, too, about how people think they're broken. Mm -hmm. But I find that also um, I did some docu like research on it, and there was a documentary I watched where this young teenager was told that she just couldn't have orgasms. And so mm -hmm. we have this education as well in like these medical fields telling people that they just can't research. Sorry, I can't fix you. Like, yes. therefore, you are broken. And I feel like that's also... Yeah, that must tie into it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there is not a ton of it. Like, well, I'll, I'll reframe that. Only in the past, like, 15 years has there been more solid uh educational resources for female body people to be able to understand their orgasmic nature and understand their anatomy. Mm. A lot of what uh, women have been understanding about their body is actually through a male lens. And that has shown up in our, um, our medical institutions, um, how we uh, test uh, different types of pharmaceutical drugs are predominantly more on male body people than they are on female body people. Um, and so this has been something that has been longstanding. Um, so that, so not having a lot of information on your own body coupled with uh, uh, gives you the impression that your body's not really important. Mm -hmm. And then the information that you do find tends to be things like a lot of people tend to find their first um, understanding of sexuality through pornography and the free forms of pornography are like completely not really what sex is mm -hmm. or like a pr small percentage of what maybe it could be I don't know um, it's also a lot of those scenes um, have our people are heavily uh, drugged or medicated or something to go through that process uh, there's also they're not showing the warm-up period all these different things just to your point, if I can add, they also don't show the production side of it as well. Yes. To your point, I saw a, um, a documentary from a porn star that's from Italy, and he made actually a television show that went through, like, this is the lighting, this is the positions. This, so the positions that you see even on the screen are not even comfortable. They're not nice. Yes. Like, it's just for the show. Yes. I, I, that's amazing. I would love to see that. Yeah. It's, it's really, that's really incredible because... Um, the female body is so unique and it actually really breaks my heart and makes me so sad when women feel like they are broken or that they can't tap into their pleasure because women actually have uh, different nerves inside their pelvic floor and they all offer different orgasmic experiences. One of them being the cranial nerve, which is the vagus nerve that touches through the cervix. You have your um, pudendal nerve, which is uh, around your, your external nerves, and then you have your pelvic nerves inside. Where you pleasure yourself, uh, if you, whether that being through a toy, your hands, whichever, um, a partner's penis, certain angles can unlock incredible amounts of pleasure. But when we look at pornography and we're given that label, we think that, oh, I just follow what that is. But the body's actually innately intelligent and it will shut down if you don't listen to it and honor it. And then it just, that further catastrophe just exasperates a woman feeling like, I'm broken, I don't know, and all I want to do is feel normal, so help me learn how to do the thing so that I'm normal in my partnership. Yeah, well, 
it's it's so sad to see normal I think get thrown around as well when it comes to sex because like when I look at it as well it's like the exploratory part of sex has been forgotten Mm -hmm. and it's just exploratory sex like sex is exploratory so when we can't even talk about the exploratory side of sex that's can be so frustrating Mm -hmm. so when you were picking to go into tantra like learning about that did anyone say like you're gonna pick that like really or or Mm. is it positive um you know it's funny i uh when you say that the first thing that comes up for me is i was actually quite quiet about my journey around where i wanted to reclaim because I had spent so many years trying to vocalize that something isn't working, something isn't normal, I don't understand what this is, something isn't like something. Mm -hmm. And um, I would receive pushback from different people around like, oh, this is normal, like you're you're just not gonna experience it, this is the normal thing that a woman would experience, Or, um, or they themselves wouldn't even know or understand. So I went on a quiet journey until I rooted and anchored into what I knew, and then I became vocal about it Mm -hmm. Um, because I felt this intuitive impulse to be like, I want to be rooted in my own truth before so that I can manage any wavering type of experience. So I was quite quiet about that process. I went to school. I studied um, particularly with other people who embodied that type of tradition and lineage and, and understanding the nervous system. Uh, and then, um, I mean, I did mention it to a few people and I could feel them kind of be like, especially my one girlfriend, she's, she's, uh, uh, in school for medicine. Mm. And so for her, this is like completely woo woo. It doesn't like, she's like, whatever. So I was like, okay, I can feel myself needing to find my own roots in this and embody that and then start speaking about it. Yeah. Well, um, I find that even to that, I find that when I talk to people that don't think that sexuality and like sex and all that jazz is connected to some sort of spiritual element, Mm -hmm. there is a little bit of a disconnect. Because I used to believe that there was, I come from a kind of a religious background and then I went through a period where I was like, you know, I don't believe in anything. And then as I've like grown up, like grown through my journey through this, I find that there actually is a lot of energy and I believe in all of those things and I think that sex is that key to get in there like to Mm -hmm. open that element up yeah yeah you know I like to um I feel like I am quite like science and spirituality in my own personal way of like just living an embodied life of myself and the thing that I love about living in this era is that uh, neuroscience and neurobiology is actually and brain imaging is showing why these ancient traditions um, have credentials and why they're working Um, for an example um, in uh, studying uh, the effects of psilocybin so using um, uh, medicinal mushrooms to help people in uh, transformative experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they would study people in a brain imaging, they noticed, they, they expected that there would be this um, activation in the brain, mm-hmm. but actually what they realized that was creating the transformation was the cortical part of the brain, the part that is that rational thinking, self-driven, like I am self, uh, shut down. So then what happens is when that quiets, the uh, the deeper parts of our brain, the primal and limbic, start to communicate more. And those parts of the nervous system have an ability to be able to pick, to extract wisdom and information from your peripheral nervous system, from your directional nervous system, from all the different parts of you that just that thinking part 
can't. Yeah. So when we play in sexuality, the same thing happens. When we move our body, when we're playing in pleasure, the cortical starts to come down and we deepen into the deepest parts of our bodies that we can extract wisdom that we're picking up from every moment all the time. So it's like it is like it it's science is showing why it's so deeply spiritual because it connects us to um, it's almost like connects us to like our compass in life yeah. a bit. And we, you know, have different visions and experiences, those things can happen, but there is like a science to show why which I think is super cool. No, that is super yeah. cool. That is. Um, would you be able to speak more a little bit on where I'm interested in to know where the different nerves are to release different pleasures and things yeah. like that? That would be cool. Yeah. I haven't heard that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so there is, um, so there is the, I like to call it the external nerve, um, which would be the nerves that we're most, most people are familiar with, which is where your clitoris is, your vulva, it actually wraps around even towards your anus and your perineum. Um, and actually, technically, what it's called is a pudendal nerve. And in Latin, that means um, pudendum, which is to be ashamed of. So we're already like kind of like kind of debunking um, this layered shame towards the female body already. And the reason why they labeled it that is because they thought, okay, well, if a male genitalia was facing outward and a woman's is hiding, then that means that it's to be ashamed of. It's not mm. to be looked at. Also, it, there's there's many different avenues in terms of religion and why that was and um, that we could go on a different topic with, with yeah. that. But so there, there's the, the what I like to call the... Um, uh, the external nerve. Then there's the pelvic nerve, which innervates the deeper parts of uh, the vaginal canal and the upper part of the vaginal canal, leading towards the cervix, um, as well as your your G. Uh, they call it the G spot, but it's actually a G area because it's it's a tube, <laughs> and so there's like a whole bunch of different areas of it. So I think some people get really confused by the name of it. Um, all of which these are um, named after. Uh, uh, male scientists and things so like they're like they're named after their men which is funny because actually historically these places were known further back but then that literature was removed and these different things so anyway so there's the, those two nerves and then there is the um uh, vagus nerve and so that's the largest cranial nerve that we have and that goes right into the cervix now as of today, I'm not sure whether medical literature has actually updated that. What has been since, uh, what was it, 2019, the information that I was gathering that what people are taught in medical school is that the vagus nerve comes down and it kind of like just ends inside of the intestine, mm -hmm. but doesn't show the connection into the cervix. But then there was a study done by people who were paraplegic, women who were paraplegic, and they could stimulate the cervix and these women were having cervical orgasms. Uh, there's also um, research showing that by stimulating the cervix, and because it goes into the brain that there's this uh, stimulation of release of um, the natural occurring DMT that comes inside of the body. And so that's where we have those transcendental experiences, um, visions, that kind of thing. So all of them are very different. And that's actually why I love to say and help people to for them to, to discover their true orgasmic nature. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just one narrow pathway. Yeah, it's like a whole slew of experience that you can have, and they're all different. 
Wow, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. I I just I it's so interesting to hear you say if they've updated it or not because it can be to me I feel like it's kind of frustrating to hear like that is fact, like that's that's what it is, but there's people being taught kind of misinformation and it just trickles down to such a society like where we're all kind of like what uh, we're all deer in the headlights. We don't know what we're doing and so um it's really one of those topics that people have to come together and talk to each other about. And so I feel like people need to encourage to talk about sex with their friends and their family. Like, it doesn't have to go into any ridiculous details. You don't need to. But overall, sexual wellness and health in general is one of those health segments that seems to come in last on people's um, health out of, like, sleeping and eating well. And then sex is all the way at the bottom. Yes. Do you find that, like, do you just with people when they come to you to try to get sex on the top of their priority or like a lot higher on their scale set? Yeah. Yes. But I find a pattern and this actually happened with myself as well. There's, and I feel that it's because of the way that our culture, uh, is create, like is designed Mm -hmm. around our own well being. So first we take a mental approach. So we do like mental health affirmations, maybe we go to therapy, counseling, things of that nature. Then there tends to be this like, okay, I'm gonna get healthy in terms of what I eat and my body. And that all of which has a effect inside of the body, but then there becomes this like end where it's like, okay, but there's still something missing. Like Mm -hmm. it's not, like I don't understand, like I've, you know, uh, cut out the alcohol, I don't eat as much sugar or I don't eat sugar at all. I'm, you know, eating well, I'm exercising, I'm socializing, but like I'm just missing a fundamental root of something. And that's where I find people come into sexuality because it is the missing piece. It truly is the missing piece. And or that why people come to me or to come into understanding sexuality is because their relationship is suffering so deeply. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I do not understand. And, and it, it extends over a period of time and it gets messy and you don't, you don't even know where to go. You're not having sex. You're not playful. You don't understand what's going on. So there's kind of like two, two ways that I find people will finally come into the, 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 the sexual healing realm of that. Yeah, I find, like, I predominantly work with just um, heterosexual couples as well, and I feel like at first it comes in because they just want that spark of their relationship, mm-hmm. and as they continue to go down, they actually, it, it is so deep into your soul. That's where you can try to, that's where you can heal yourself is through sexual wellness as well. Yeah. Like, do you, how, what is your opinion on sex with Big Pharma? Like, do you think that it can help with, some prescription medicines or do you deal with oh that a little bit in your field yeah like I get so excited about this because it's just I sexuality it really is the missing piece but yeah um, <laughs> uh, I mean just even uh, again I love looking at science um, to really help support this but I mean pleasure for an example pleasure uh, creates this um, neurotransmitter this gas inside of our vascular uh, system called um, nitric oxide and that actually helps to stimulate the different neurotransmitters that help to regulate and harmonize dopamine serotonin and there's a, a third one that I'm forgetting that are super important and actually what is what women tend to get treated for in pharmaceutical with drugs like um, Paxil and um, Oh, there's another one as well that I uh, that's quite common. Uh, Prozac. Um, I don't know if it's as common now, but our body is an instrument, and we have our culture 
um, we've learned to habitually be mostly in the mind, but we are body and mind. Mm -hmm. And when we learn how to use this instrument and come back into our sexuality, our sexuality, like you said, is play and creativity. We mm -hmm. did that so naturally growing up yet as, as young children and, and just movement of the body and all these things. As we become more an, an adult and we understand pleasure, we're just bombarded with these messages that make it scary, wrong, demonized, um, uh, you know, there's certain traumas that, that compound over time that we find it safer just to not listen to it and we forget what it is. Mm. But when we come back into the body, naturally what science is showing is that we start to harmonize um, our neurochemicals, which then affects our ability to actually have to rely on pharmaceutical medications. Also, there's a ton of studies for people um, with uh, womb health, uh, ovarian health, uh, and also women moving into uh, perimenopause and menopause. Um, it's, it, research is showing that when women uh, connect to uh, their uh, sexuality, their yoni, their pussy, whatever you decide to you know, relate to your genitals as, using practices like a jade egg or br just even womb breathing, something of that nature, draws more blood flow into the intelligence of these organs helps to regulate um, the nervous system, which regulates your hormone production, which over the time when you reach into menopause makes that transition much easier and so and, and healthier. And, and there's a stigma that women, when they go into menopause, that they're less sexual. It's actually wrong. That, yeah. that is a mind bend. No, women are actually more sexual, more like juicy, alive, all those things. It's just a cultural belief that shifts that mm. creates an atrophy inside the organ because you're like tightening away from it, you're ashamed of it. Um, and uh, women, a lot of women are reporting that moving into menopause is very challenging and difficult. Um, and there are people who are moving into surgeries because they're dealing with different ailments and issues. And I don't wanna sit here and claim that like, yes, this will remove certain things like um, endometriosis and things of that nature, but, there are research studies showing that that is not happening with women who are doing those practices because there's a health and vitality of the organs that then moves them into perimenopause and menopause. Well, I'm glad you actually brought that, brought that up because mm -hmm. I'm doing a podcast and I'm doing a little bit on yoni eggs. And so mm -hmm. I'm seeing the differences between things like Healthline and there was articles that came out, don't use it. They tried, I know that there was controversy yes. against Gwyneth Paltrow, but it was more about where she was sourcing the eggs, not necessarily the egg itself, more like yes. the material, but it just got, of course, like blown out of control in social media. And so I'm looking at these articles that are saying, well, they claim this and it lists all these wonderful benefits. And then it just a short little thing says, but it's not scientifically proven. I just mm. asterisks on the little side and the bottom of these things. But then when you go onto alternative health websites and you read real testimonies from real people that are using this, it's yeah. so hard to say like how can you not see it when everyone is voicing their opinions and saying this helped me yeah yeah well we have to remember that the research is funded right so when people are and it takes it takes money to be able to produce this information mm -hmm. for it to be like um accredited for like an actual like oh science shows this or this research shows that and so if it's not being funded 
uh, and supported to be able to do that. A lot of a lot of these studies around female sexual health, that kind of thing, they're just like, eh, like it's not really like yeah. I don't like maybe I'm maybe I'm imposing my opinion on whether they think it's important or not, but they certainly aren't viewing it as something that would be helpful, like yeah. to research of and. You know, um, however, this tradition of using a yoni egg has been around for more than 4,000 or 5,000 years, yeah, right? Yeah. And um, I will say, though, that it's important to understand, I, I'm a huge, uh, res- I, I really like to respect the lineage and the traditions of why and where these places have come from, just to understand a little bit more, rather than just like, you know, taking it and using it, these different things. But um, it's also important to understand that there's a lot of misinformation around uh, vaginal strength and these Kegels. Yeah. And using the jade egg or using an egg, a borosilicate egg, um, you know, sometimes what happens is um, women will use them and then they're just tightening or not having a proper understanding of how to use it or being guided into using it. And it creates more tension because a lot of women are actually experiencing more tension yeah, in their vaginal in their in their pelvic floor, rather than like, um, and they actually need to do more relaxing and releasing. And you can do that with a with a jade egg or borosilicate egg as yeah. well. Well, even to that about the tightening, like um, I just did a podcast about vaginismus is actually on the rise from the IUD insertions, mm-hmm. and so I do feel like our there is no pelvic health pelvic floor health even yeah. still now. I don't think that that information is really getting put through because I did see. Yeah that they'll put out, oh, jade eggs aren't very good, but here's the alternative of Kegels. And so I haven't really reached there yet, but I, I'm so confused yeah. as to why they're de- saying jade eggs don't work, but here Kegels work, but it's so weird. I don't know, I haven't got there yet, but yes, I, I find that interesting. Yeah, I think it's very important to find um, a uh, pelvic floor specialist that you can find that that understand not all of them completely understand um, the importance of uh, sexual health and make it more mechanical. But if you can find a, a wonderful pelvic floor specialist and actually have someone go internally and test out what muscles are working and not, and teach you how to actually utilize your muscles in the way that you sort of like lift and up, as opposed to like just the squeezing aspect of it, because mm. you're then tightening um, uh, the the outer layers of your pelvic floor, which then creates more tension and more issues. But yeah, absolutely, there's there's a huge lack of information around that. Do you have any tips or tips like or tips for someone who's going into getting a yoni egg or anything like that? Things to consider because I yeah. did see that. Different stones could mean different things. If yes. you like, I love that. But they were saying difference between clear quartz and pink quartz and yeah. jade. And yes. Um, so I recommend three different types of stones. Um, one of them is jade, which is the traditional stone uh, from the Taoist tradition. Uh, you would want to make sure that it was from a certified reputable company because sometimes people make knockoffs, and the reason why you wouldn't want to do that is because you want to have a stone that won't crack to get any type of bacteria in it like that. Like you could drop it on the floor and it's not gonna you know, break or create any uh, crack and then bacteria can grow into it. Um, uh, but some people are not uh, uh, okay with the mining industry mm-hmm. and supporting that. So you can use borosilicate glass egg. Uh, which is medical grade safe, it's clear, you know, that that's great. Like there's, I think there's a company in the States that does that as well as um, in Australia. 
And then there is an obsidian egg. Uh, so the obsidian is a much darker style egg. It is also very strong, so it, it will withstand being dropped, that kind of thing. But I guess on an energy perspective, I guess people can come and, you know, they can have their opinions on whether stones offer certain things. I do consider myself very energetically open. I can experience different things in my body. That's my own experience of that. I find that the jade is very harmonizing and can really help to remove and release. And so the obsidian egg uh, accesses more of that deeper unconscious layers, that shadowy part of our unconscious. And when people aren't ready for that, it can really stir up a lot of things. So. Mm the I kind of want to go on a tangent around go for it. <laughs> around sexuality so I, people there so our sexuality and our orgasmic nature has a seasonal cycle so there's this winter phase of like really just connecting with the energy going through that the spring is when we start to feel that pleasure the summer is that peak orgasmic experience whatever that looks like then there's the fall and the fall experience is either something that you celebrate or you integrate something so sometimes uh, what happens in sexuality is you could have this most beautiful, expansive orgasmic state and then you drop back into your body and your awareness and you are sobbing and crying or you're feeling shame. Like, I mean like deep shame. And when that happens, when people aren't aware of that cyclical cycle that happens, that healing cycle that happens in that fall in your sexual um, cycle, is that they can look at that and go, whoa, that's dangerous, I don't wanna feel it, da 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 da, and kind of short circuit that healing process because what that did, the orgasmic expansion and power, is it brought to the surface the, like, the deepest part of shame to be felt in a conscious and loving way. Mm -hmm. And then you just be with that and that shifts, you're actually, you're actually tapping into a physio physiological uh, neur neuronal network in that moment. And then creating that space around it, you're actually creating new neuronal networks that offer a different pathway into in your sexuality where you don't have to feel that shame. That shame is not controlling you in your subconscious anymore. So the obsidian can really bring out some, some deeper unconscious things. And if we're not prepared to f feel that, understand it, work with it, it can feel overwhelming. And we like some people have reported like, just, I just feel like dark, like I just feel down for days and I don't understand and you just sort of spiral. I mean, obviously that's up for debate. Some people don't necessarily well, no, even like... even in uh, BDSM and kink, so we have things called drops. So you can go into a scene and con like say, I want to do this, this is consenting, we're good, we're solid, you go in, you have a good time and then a few days later you look at your partner and you're like, uh, did I do this? Why, like, what did I do? Like this, especially if like you're in a dom role and you say like, how could I have done this? But if you're sub, if everything's consenting, it can happen as well. I think it just comes with the territory of sex because it's so scary. Mm -hmm. yes. And people, uh, we are living in a time where everyone needs to be happy all the time and smiling and perfect. And so when we start mm -hmm. bringing up these negative feelings that we all share and have, we can't. There's like a part of us that's like, maybe it's how we're raised, society in general, a mix of it all. Just like, no, I can't feel these things. Yes. Yeah. So. I'm really excited, actually, even just you saying that, because um, that's the other thing that's so, so sexuality, why it's so important is because it actually is a space for you to be creative. It's a space for you to let down the the, the everyday mundane life, mm -hmm. uh, restore your sense of soul, because you're like releasing the things that your, your thinking rational part of the mind is trying to like 
constantly organize and reorganize. Um, but also there is a healing there. So like in that cyclical nature, when we go into that fall, we get to meet the deepest parts of ourselves. And most people are like, I need healing. I need to go to therapy. I need to go do this ayahuasca thing. I need to do whatever. Yeah. All are beautiful techniques and experiences. Imagine if you could just do that in your partnership or in sexuality and spaces, not only like, like the, imagine the life you have, the empowerment, the opportunity to just do and live like that. And the other thing that excited me about what you just said was that um, we are we are scared of our body. Mm -hmm. We are scared of our body. We have uh, received cultural messages, religious conditioning. It's around. We 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 pick it up without even people directly telling you that it is scary to move the body. It's not okay to feel certain sensations. It's not okay to feel uh, certain types of emotions. Mm -hmm. And so we just keep kind of pulling away from ourselves and we're trained to feel scared of our natural animalistic human experience that then we fragment away, but the richest, most beautiful deep sex is coming back into all of that. Yeah. And so when we go into those sexual spaces and we go down and in, we start to unlock and play with the primal and the primal does not make sense. And we're actually all craving to not make it make sense. That's mm -hmm. why I feel the, the psychedelic uh, um, healing modalities are on the rise. People want to lose their minds. They want to lose. Mm -hmm. They want to lose like ev like their identity, and they're like, "I'm done. Like this isn't working." And I think until you're ready to drop, this isn't working, and I'm done. You can't even break through to the next of yes. who you really want. And so with sex, you can shed even the past selves of you off. I think too, you can basically shed things and become new. Yes. All in the same cycle. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love that point about when you're ready. Yes. Because it is a layered process. And, um, and yeah, and that's why I'm so passionate about this work, because I feel that there's that missing step-by-step -step process going at your body's pace. Well, that's great. I've, I loved everything you talked, to, uh, or talked about today, and thank you so much. Is there, I think that's about as much time as we have for this episode, and is there anywhere where our followers can find you? Yes, um, they can find me on my website. I have, uh, my website is meganmillington.com. Uh, I also have an Instagram account. Um, uh, I think it's at Megan Millington Coaching. I work one-on-one -on -one, uh, coaching people through their sexuality um, in a holistic way, looking at the nervous system and uh, really getting them back into the root of their erotic intelligence. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And for our listeners out there, I'll put all the links inside the description for you. And as always, stay kinky and tune in next week. <laughs>